Hello, and welcome back to Not Just Another Sports Podcast. This is Price Carter, reunited with Christian Ainsworth. We are back on the podcast. We are back on the mic. After a long hiatus, it is good to finally hear Christian's voice, and it is good to be back talking sports, more specifically Chiefs, as we are brought to you by Arrowhead Live. Christian, how the heck are you? Doing good. Thanks, buddy. I, You know, I missed you, too. I don't know if I would have put it like that, but I appreciate it, man. It's, it's good to hear from you. We've both kind of been, you know, on our own trails the past couple of weeks, so it's, it's nice to come back. Well, you know, it was good to have the holidays off and just relax. And, you know, honestly, it's hard to think about because in some ways I feel like we've missed a lot. But honestly, we haven't really missed that much. I think the last time we recorded was the game before the Chargers game, which I think was the Broncos or was that the second Raiders game? I can't remember. No, I think I think um, I don't think we recorded the Raiders game or the one that where the Chiefs just embarrassed the Raiders. I don't think we recorded on that one. No, we, we did previews for that one because I, I know we yep. missed the past three games. So Bengals, Chargers, and then that Raiders game. Yeah, so it's been a while. But in some ways, you know, the Chiefs up until last Sunday, which we'll get into, were just kind of a runaway freight train and just housing teams. It was kind of honestly not that interesting to talk about. And, you know, in some ways we missed a lot as far as everything else across the league. AB's stripping and posting his bank account on Twitter and you know the Patriots were crowned Super Bowl champions and then somehow they didn't even win their own division like a lot of stuff's happened since we've talked oh yeah and before we really get started here I'll just go ahead and ask you has your opinion on the Chiefs changed at all over the over the past month because for me the the only argument I could make is that the defense isn't quite as good as we thought it was going to be but other than that I, I think that team has pretty much stayed the same yeah I think uh, to answer the question no but that's because I think I had a little bit lower opinion of the defense than everyone else did before we started to me the Chiefs defense has always been exactly what it needs to be for a Patrick Mahomes led team opportunistic you know a lot of people me included were very frustrated with the blitz on third and 27. But a little bit of that was kind of Spags just being who he is. And that is, you know, we hated Bob Sutton because he just threw bland vanilla coverage out all the time. Almost no stunts, no blitzes. Everything just felt super vanilla with uh, Bob Sutton. And Steve Spagnuolo is the type of guy who, um, oh, it reminds me of this doc. There was this documentary on Netflix called Broke. And it was all about how professional athletes, these millionaire professional athletes go broke. And one of the saddest things in it, there's this guy who was like a fringe NFL player who got a medium-sized contract. I don't even remember the player. And he got cut. And he knew it was his last paycheck. And he got his last paycheck for 100 grand. And on the way home with his last paycheck from the NFL, he bought a Hummer for $70,000 worth of paycheck because he's just addicted to spending money and it was like all he had and he still used it. Sometimes that's like Spags. Spags could have a hundred grand in his pocket and he would still put it all on the roulette table. Like he blitzes, that's what he does. And you're not going to change that. So the defense was never quite as good as it seemed against, you know, I think kind of the high point of the defense was some of those Cowboys and, uh, the Cowboys game and the Packers game and even the Steelers game, they were never quite that good because 
they they didn't face teams that could really challenge them down the field. And I, I think the Bengals were kind of a nightmare matchup for them. The Chiefs are weaker in the secondary than they are up front. And if a team can challenge them in the secondary, two or three deep, uh, wide receiver or tight end, it, it can cause them some issues. So, no, my opinion didn't really change to them that much. Well, and just going back to that third and 27, how much differently would we feel if Ward doesn't get mossed for the fifth time in the game and they hold him to no points? And it's Patrick Mahomes with three timeouts going down the field from, you know, the five or the 10 yard line. Like that, that's a completely different ball game. The, the difference is, is that, you know, Ward got beat by one of the best young rookies in the league. And sometimes you just got to give that to him. I mean, could have had some safety help over there, you know, give, give him a little bit of a break, but it is what it is. I don't think that was really the main reason why we lost on Sunday, but yeah. And here's the thing. So your point is valid about like, well, if they stop them and, you know, if the blitz works and, you know, Spags came out and said that they treated that like a third and eight because eight more yards put them in field goal position. So they were trying to hold him to zero instead of three, which if you're worried about three points with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you're really worried about the wrong thing. But I mean, you know, history is always written by the victors. You're right. If, um, you know, if the Chiefs get that, if they hold them there and the Chiefs get the ball, we're sitting here talking about, well, is Patrick Mahomes an MVP candidate? And, you know, are the Chiefs just a prohibitive Super Bowl favorite? But here's the, to me, this game reminded me so much of a game a little bit ago in the Patrick Mahomes era. And it reminded me of the game in 2018. It was Patrick Mahomes' MVP season that the Chiefs went up and played the Seahawks late in the season. It was, I think it was Sunday night football against Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson had one of those nights, and he is still the best deep ball quarterback in the NFL. And him, and I think it was, I think it was still, oh, DK Metcalf wasn't in the league yet. It might have been Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett back then. But he just had four or five passes that night that you just, you, the coverage couldn't have been better. And he just put it in the single spot that it could be for the receiver to get it, and the cornerback couldn't do anything about it. And yes, the Chiefs lost that game, but it was just one of those they just almost had to tip your hat to the guy on the other side of the field and say, you just had it today. And Jamar Chase was the best player on the field that night. I mean, I I don't walk away from that game thinking that uh, Joe Burrow is Patrick Mahomes' equal. In fact, I don't fear him like I do some of the other quarterbacks. I think I think he's capable, but I mean, th- those Jamar Chase was just making unreal plays. And, you know, just like that game was with Russell Wilson, I don't, I didn't feel like our opinion changed a lot of the Chiefs and after that Seahawks game. And my opinion of the Chiefs didn't change a lot here. I've always known that when they get into these games with good offenses like Justin Herbert or, you know, Josh Allen, that they're going to be tested a little bit. You know, I think, I think the one thing that Chiefs fans have to ask themselves is that they're one in four against AFC playoff teams this year. The only win coming against the Chargers. The Chargers beat them once, Bills beat them, Titans beat them, Bengals beat them. Does that mean anything? I'm not sure. Well, and with that being said, they all played those teams pretty early on in the season. And as we know with Steve Spagnolo and his defenses, for whatever reason, they it kind of takes them some time to get into form, get into shape. So, you know, am I a little, little worried going into the playoffs? Yeah, but I, I I mean, I'm kind of with you in this, man. I, I don't really – my opinion really has not changed a whole lot on them. They're a really good team. They're in prime position to take the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. We'll just see if they do it or not. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think if you look at the Bengals game itself, there was a lot that had to go right for for the Bengals to win. Now, that's true of every team that wins a game. But, I mean, they were looking down the barrel of 35-14 at halftime. And Zane Anderson, you know, player you didn't even know was on the Chiefs roster, held a player way beyond the play. It wasn't even a part of the reason why they scored the touchdown, but he was guilty of a hold, and that took points off the board. Tyreek Hill has a huge 60-yard pass caught right before half, a chance for them to go up a touchdown or at least another field goal, and it gets knocked out by the defensive back. Um, You know, there were six first downs that were given to the Bengals via penalty. Now, I'm not going to be a complete homer and say that every single one of those was fake, but half of them might not have been. Um, Not fake, but not legitimate enough to call. And then you had the debacle at the goal line where the Chiefs never got the ball. There was a lot that had to go right, including the Chiefs punting twice in the second half and barely getting the ball. They got the ball three times in the second half. The Bengals just had these huge, long, sustained drives, partially aided by penalties. But a lot had to go right in the Bengals stadium. And honestly, another game that this reminds me of is the game that the Chiefs played against the Bucs in the regular season last year. Tyreek Hill went nuts in that game. And the Bucs learned their lesson. If the Chiefs face the Bengals again, I am not panicking about Jamar Chase. Now, I, I might panic a little bit about T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd because they didn't do much in that game. And the game before, Jamar Chase had like one catch for four yards. And, t- and um, I think T. Higgins is the one that had like 197 yards. So they can hurt you in a lot of ways. But, yeah, I, I think your ana- analysis is spot on that there's nothing super long-term to sell your stock on with the Chiefs? Yeah. And well, and if you want to go back to the penalties, don't get me wrong. That, that Sneed DPI was awful. One of the worst DPI calls I've ever seen in my entire life. Half the calls at the very end of the game that give, gave the Bengals like, you know, seven chances at the touchdown is, is a bit ridiculous. I don't think all of those were legitimate, but Benton was holding. Ward was holding. There, there was, there were plenty of penalties to go around. I don't think they called them fair across the board, but the Chiefs were not blameless in that. And, and I think, you know, as Chiefs fans, we, we kind of need to look at that and say, okay, we know what our corners are. Spags knows what his corners are. There will be a, a change made if we play them again in the playoffs. And I don't think it would be out of question to say that the Chiefs would be favored in that game. I don't think it would be out of the questions to say that the Chiefs would win by two scores. I mean, you see this game without those penalties. I think it goes completely different direction. And with Mahomes in the ball, with the ball in his hand, more than three times and a half, I think good things are bound to happen. And I, I could definitely see us winning them against them if we played them again in the playoffs tomorrow. Like, it, yeah, it's just I, one I, of those games that were just hard to watch as a fan and you know, but then again, that's kind of how some of those go. So, I yeah, I think you can argue that if maybe one of those plays goes differently, the Chiefs could win that game or at least be headed to overtime at a coin flip. Um, and, you know, I think this is a theme that we have seen for the last couple of years. The Chiefs get a ref crew that decides that they are go- not going to let the Chiefs hold them all the time. And the refs can have a major outcome. The Super Bowl was that way, too. They decided going into that game that the Chiefs secondary was not going to get handsy. And I'll remind you, the Legion of Boom was that way too. They were very handsy. 
very aggressive at the line of scrimmage down the field. And their philosophy was Pete Carroll even said it, they can't call a penalty every single time. They're not going to, you know, and that was their philosophy. Now um, I appreciate the ref crew challenging Pete Carroll on that statement and saying, Oh yes, we can. Cause it certainly did feel that way for a lot of it, but you know, it, it's something that I think other teams that are going to face the chiefs, they will constantly be in the ref's ear about that. And that's my frustration with the ref system. You know, everyone wants to hate the refs. Everyone remembers every call that goes against them and forgets everyone that goes their way. I think my biggest complaint with the refs is that it constantly feels like the refs are in it for the refs and only for them. Like everything is made to cover their ass. You know, it's the same way in baseball where umpires will call a strike that's like three foot off the plate and to the right. And we can't call out the umpires to make them feel bad or something like that. You know, it, it's frustrating because there was multiple times in that game that I felt like they made a call. And then once they reviewed it, they're like, oh, that doesn't look very good. But they didn't care. They just rolled with it. Like the tackle on Sneed, I literally think he watched that and they thought it was out of bounds. And then they went back and looked at it on the because it plays in the big screen there. And they realized, oh, that's in bounds. Well, there's got to be something. And someone's like, oh, well, he does kind of have a shoulder pad horse collar. You know, I, I think that they look for confirmation of themselves more than they are interested in calling a game that's fair or entertaining to watch. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's a hard gig, man. Like, everybody is against the refs every time a game is played, whether you're watching the NBA, the NFL, NHL. It, it's always everybody's against the refs because there's never enough penalties. And, you know, when they call it on your team, there's too many. It's, it's just one of those things. I don't blame them for sticking together, but you know, without getting too trying to figure out the inside the mind of a NFL referee, I think you got to have some, some stand behind with your brothers there. I mean, if they make a call, you can't ostracize them. Then everybody and the other refs are against them. You know, it's, it's one yeah. of those things you got to keep everybody's it, heads up and they'll make a bad call every once in a while. This, is, this whole system is just so screwed up. It just constantly feels like they're protecting their own. Like, why can they not put a sky view ref someone who's a part of the ref crew who goes up there in the booth, watches every play slow motion, radios down to them and says, Hey, you look like an ass here. This is what it should be. You just didn't see it well on the field. And then they make the decision together and well, go and from there. To be, you know? to be fair, they, they've been doing that a little bit more with the calling in from New York and, and changing penalties that way. But so much Whether of that, they what, what, that, what's the, okay. So let's say there's a questionable touchdown. I, one that I I will give 49ers fans is I'm still not entirely sure that the go-ahead touchdown in the Super Bowl where Damian Williams caught that pass on the sideline and and ca- caught it inbounds and then put the ball over the goal line to break the plane. I'm still not entirely sure that he was inbounds whenever he made that play. But why did that call stand? Because it was ruled a touchdown on the field. And we sit there and we hmm and haw. I was like, whoa, what was it called as? That's stupid. That shouldn't matter. What should matter is what is right. You know, there shouldn't be this objective, like subjective of like, well, it was called a touchdown on the field. Are we confirming that it is a touchdown or are we trying to prove that it was not a touchdown? Like, you know, it's very, it sounds like you're on the court of law or something and it, it shouldn't be that simple, that complex. No, it should be the truth is the truth. Whatever they figure out, it should be, whether that's, you know, going against the refs or, or, you know, standing by them. Fumbles are that way a lot too. Like they, they have it now where, if a wide receiver catches it, you know, even if they can tell they didn't take half a step and they get pummeled, the ball flies out, they pick it up, 
they let the defense pick it up and run it in for a touchdown. Now, everybody knows that, you know, it, it was an incomplete pass. It wasn't really a catch. But we do it that way because you have to prove that it wasn't something else. You have to prove that, you know, it, it wasn't a fumble. You have to prove that it was a catch. Like, you're right. The system is kind of broken. We'll see if there are any changes implemented. I don't see it. Not for the foreseeable future. Any reasonable, substantial changes, at least. Agreed. Agreed. So, you know, the thing that really hurt about that loss is that the Chiefs are, you know, more than likely going to not get the one seed and get the buy unless the Texans do some sort of miracle, which I don't think they're going to, especially since they've already beat the beat the Titans once. So there's no sneaking up on the Titans. I think that they'll take care of business. Chiefs are going to be the two seed. The Chiefs do still have a reason to play to get that two seed because they could fall all the way to the four in certain scenarios. So they do need to play against the chart uh, against the Broncos on Saturday. Um, my thoughts on this are it does suck that they don't have the one seed. And yes, we would like the buy, especially, you know, with Orlando Brown's injury, Clyde Edwards, layers banged up a little bit. You would just like that opportunity to rest the players more than anything. You would like the opportunity to not have to lose a game. All the AFC playoff teams are scary in some way this year. And every game is just an opportunity for something to happen like, what happened to the Steelers last year? They blinked and they were down 21 nothing. You know, that, that can happen. Um, but if there's a team that's hosting the AFC Championship, I feel pretty good about going into Tennessee against Ryan Tannehill if that's the situation. And ultimately, that's what we're talking about. That's the only road playoff game that the Chiefs would play would be in Tennessee. Yeah, well, and like you said, that doesn't really scare me at all. There are only a few teams that I really truly believe that the Chiefs should maybe be afraid of. And that's two of the teams that they've already faced before the Bengals and the Chargers. Those Chargers games were both very, very close. I know the first one could have been, I mean, without those three turnovers, I think the Chiefs would have won handedly, but that second game was a fight all the way down to the last play in overtime. And the Bengals, we just saw them. I mean, unless they have an answer for Jamar Chase, that that's going to be, like I said earlier, I don't think it'll be an insanely tough game, but it's one of those where there's a there's a fighter's chance. There's a puncher's chance. If if Jamar Chase goes off again or T. Higgins, you know, does what he did earlier in the season against the Chiefs, man, they're they're a scary team. So one one thing before we get into the AFC playoff picture, let's just touch on the Broncos game. Um, I don't know about you. I'm not expecting much from the Broncos in this game. I've already seen that Ronald Darby and Patrick Sertan are out. So those are two pretty big parts of their secondary. Um, I guess this game really kind of comes down to, do you think it's Vic Fangio's last game as the Broncos head coach? Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if it was, but I I don't think so. I think there are more problems going on there in Denver than just Vic Fangio. His defenses are usually really, really good. This one's kind of been – above average to be nice i mean like it, it's yeah, kind no, of an it, average yeah, it's, it's been good middling yeah but like I, man having drew lock and teddy bridgewater as your quarterbacks will hinder any head coach look at bid bill belichick last year with cam newton and they even went out and spent a whole bunch of money in free agency i think that's one of the only reasons they got over 500 last year but man i i can't see him getting rid of him especially after this year with what they've had to go through. I here's my thing, and I, I personally love this because it's very fitting. The Broncos have done so much hedging on 
players like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers being moved at the, um, you know, in the coming year. I personally still, now this is kind of, this kind of goes back to whether Vic Fangio stays conversation. I feel like the Broncos have still been drafting for Vic Fangio with the Sertan pick. That's definitely a Fangio pick, defense first, yada, yada, yada. That feels like a pick that Vic Fangio would make rather than prioritizing the offense. But I don't think that you're luring Russell Wilson. I don't think AB, uh, not AB, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay after the season he's had. So now, and I mean, Deshaun Watson's situation is no clearer now than it was this time last year or, you know, this time in the offseason. So really, personally, I don't, I think the situation, the drafts, the quarterback situation has gotten worse for the Broncos. They passed on Justin Fields. They passed, passed on Mac Jones. And now they're just hoping that it's Russell Wilson, more or less. I mean, I guess they could trade for Baker May- Mayfield or, you know, Kirk Cousins or something like that, whenever, if he's going to be a free agent. But I, I see no reason why they should keep Vic Fangio. They need to go hire some offensive coordinator that can run that team and be more interesting on offense and use some of the weapons that they actually have to try to lure in one of those quarterbacks. Either that or they're going to the draft this year. Well, here's the thing, though. I don't think their mentality is a win-now mentality. I think that with them drafting a defensive player and, and maybe keeping Vic Fangio around, I don't think that they're maybe hedging their bets towards getting an Aaron Rodgers or, or getting a Russell Wilson, even though that might seem like it's the case. I think that they're just prepping they're going to get a really high draft pick this year, which they won't take quarterback with because there's just not enough in the draft. Um, I could see him taking another defensive player and then maybe making a play in the 2023, 2024 draft. Like, yeah, but then, I, but then you're starting to talk about some, I, I know that they signed Tim Patrick, who's like 30 years old almost already and Cortland Sutton to deals. And everyone talks about what great weapons they have, but I mean, I, I feel like it's more of a fantasy football offense than it is anything because we sit there and talk about like, oh man, you know, Cortland Sutton is such a good player and, you know, you got to have Jerry Judy and Noah Fan and all that, but they don't ever really put up great numbers for a season. They're just guys that we draft in fantasy and we know their names, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. And obviously I'm not saying that they have to be the level of DeAndre Hopkins, but DeAndre Hopkins was great in t- Houston for all those years with, terrible quarterback play and none of those guys produce at that level I think that there's a collection of guys there that are above average but I don't think that they're you know people talk about it like they're just Super Bowl ready a quarterback away and I I don't think that's true no I I 100% agree with you that offensive line definitely needs work I know they've added a few pieces in in this offseason in the draft to try to address that but I don't think that offensive line is there I think that you know, having lost a few of their key pieces along the defensive line, they're going to have to add to that too, especially in the upcoming years. They're, I don't think that they are, and like I was saying earlier, I don't think that their Super Bowl mindset, like I, I don't think their headspace is there. I think they're in this kind of rebuild, retool year, get some offensive weapons that can maybe attract a semi-good quarterback. Maybe we could see Kirk Cousins get moved or Matt Ryan even like get, get a middling quarterback that can play well and not turn the ball over. And you'll have a pretty good team that will, you know, probably beat out the Raiders and 
contend with the Chargers for a second place spot in the division. I don't think that that they are there yet where they can say, you know, we're just a quarterback away. I, I just don't think that they're there. Well, the good thing is, is that we don't have to worry about the Broncos when it comes to the AFC playoff picture because they suck and they've sucked for a long time. And the Chiefs are going for 13 straight wins against them. And I will never get tired of the Broncos sucking. Um, I enjoy it very much. Um, well, yeah. Well, how many years did we go through where Peyton Manning was the quarterback or well, John know, Elway was yeah, the quarterback? Yeah. And they were just kicking our teeth in every Sunday. And I think it's about their time to sit at the bottom of the AFC West. Yeah. Well, they've, they've been there for a while now and they just keep adding names to their jersey of quarterbacks who, um, who have taken that job and failed, kind of like the uh, Browns jersey. Um, okay. So AFC playoff teams. I want to rank the most dangerous, the teams that the Chiefs should fear the most. Now, for this purpose, we are going to just assume that the playoff field is going to be Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. Who am I missing? Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. Who's the other division winner? Titans. Titans, yes, Titans. And then the Patriots. Mm-hmm. the Chargers, and I do not have my other screen up. We need to pull up the – we need Colts? To Colts, yeah, that's the other one. Sorry. Okay. I, I'm just on my laptop, and apparently you can't minimize a meeting whenever you're doing that, so I'll pull it up here. So we're just going to go with those. Uh, those are the most likely teams. It's Yes, it's still possible, obviously, that the Raiders get in there, um, although I would love to see that situation where if the Jaguars beat the Colts, then the – Chargers and Raiders could kneel it out and both get in the playoffs. But, oh yeah, dude. I, so, I saw that. Yeah, that's, that's that's that an would, interesting. It would be very very interesting, but <laughs> I don't think the NFL would intervene. I don't think they would let that happen, especially on Sunday Night Football because that's when that game is going to be. Okay, so as a Chiefs fan, who do you have as the number one team, the most feared team by the Chiefs? So. I don't want to be a prisoner at the moment. I know I said Bengals and Chargers were top of the top of the list earlier. I don't think I can put the Bengals there yet. I know we've seen Joe Burrow go off. I know we've just got our butts kicked by Jamar Chase and, and that whole wide receiver barrage of weapons that they have over there. I have to say the, the Chargers. I mean, they, they put up a really hard fight every time we've played them. I, I really could see it coming down to the wire again in, a, in another game where Travis Kelsey has to have an all-time great performance and Tyree Kill has to go for 100 yards and whoever our running back is that week has to you know run run for at least 40. It's just one of those games that it, it's starting to scare me now. There, there was a point in time where anytime we played the Chargers I just hung it up as a W. You know what, whatever happens happens. I know Patrick Mahomes or Alex Smith is going to get the job done. I think those days are over. I think that with the weapons they have with almost said Joe Burrow with Justin Herbert at quarterback, I think they have a legitimate team and a lot of chiefs fans don't want to say what, say it, but Derwin James can play Travis Kelsey straight up. I've seen the film. I've seen the tape. He can almost take him out of a game. And that's scary, especially for a chiefs team that relies so heavily on our tight end for, for making big plays down the field. So Chargers has got to be my number one. What about you? 
Um, for me, I am going to take the Bills here. The Bills, um, you know, I think that they have proven that they can come into Kansas City and win. They've obviously done it. The defense for the Bills is still very good. They can contend with the Chiefs. And I think the offense is strong enough that they can go toe-to-toe and go score-to-score with the Chiefs as well. So I think that there is scary. We know that Josh Allen – and they, something that's scary too is the last couple of weeks, it kind of started in the second half against the Bucks games. The Bills are starting to run the ball better. Um, you know, they're never going to be a terrific running attack, but they're just like the Chiefs. They, they run the ball just enough to keep you honest, and they can take advantage of it. And between Josh Allen running that QB power in the playoffs when it matters the most – and they're not afraid to put him in harm's way, and their running attack, they're balanced enough with Diggs and Beasley, some of those other guys, Knox, that they have at tight end, and the defense is good enough that they could absolutely come into Arrowhead and do exactly what they did last time. And the Chiefs offense has just not been as high-powered as it was before, where I feel like they can out go out and outscore them. Now, Spag has kind of had Josh Allen's number the last couple of times they faced him, but to me, that's the team I'm the most afraid to see in the playoffs. So I'll, I'll contest with you a little bit on this because there's a player that didn't play a whole lot in that first Bills game that I think can really, really, really make an impact, especially with Josh Allen. And that's Nick Bolton. I know you hate him. I know he's the worst linebacker on the Chiefs, but I think that he can play a really key role in, in stopping big rushers. And whether we like to admit it or not, Josh Allen is a big rushing force. I don't want to I, I can't remember if he has the the most rushing yards on his team but it's definitely close. It's it's very much I, I um, really like that analogy with the Chiefs where it's you're, you're putting me in a bad spot. I definitely don't think that Nick Bolton's the worst linebacker on the Chiefs. In <clears> fact, <throat> I think it should it should be him and Willie Gay out there leading linebacker stats for sure. The thing about Nick Bolton though is that you know, we've said he's kind of one dimensional and by the way, he got kind of taken advantage of in the Bengals game. They kind of exposed him out in space. But, I, you know, I thought you were honestly going to say Willie Gay was the person. And, you know, Willie Gay is athletic out there enough that he can, you know, get to the perimeter with Josh Allen, and that's kind of what they like to do. But, yeah, that that's the one that scares me for sure. The next scariest team for me um, is going to be the Chargers for all the reasons that you listed. And I'll go one step further. Brandon Staley and his fourth downs, I still think that some of those decisions were stupid, especially considering on that given night, the team had shown a plenty of times that they weren't able to get it done. I, they can make one or two of those fourth downs and that game goes much different than it ended up going in LA. Brandon Staley is not afraid to go for it on fourth down. He knows to be aggressive against the chiefs. And that's scary if you're a chiefs fan, because I don't know about you, but nine times out of 10, whenever a team um, settle on a field goal, I feel like that's a victory for the Chiefs. If we hold them to three, I feel pretty good more often than not. So, um, you know, that's why the Chargers scare me. It's just because I know that they're going to come in here and they're going to play every snap knowing that they have to outscore the Chiefs and they're not afraid to do that. Oh, yeah. Well, and what I thought you were going to say is when a team decides to go for it on fourth down, it, it gives you some concern because – that has always, especially this year, given me concern, especially with that early Chiefs defense just not being able to hold up. But, yeah, anytime they settle for a field goal, it's I count it as a Chiefs win as well. 
anytime a team goes for goes for it on fourth down, I get a little tense. I get a little anxiety, and I'm not 100% sure that the Chiefs defense can hold up in those situations. But So my next team is it's really kind of a tie between the Bengals and the Bills. And, and I know that the Bills, we, we just talked about them. Josh Allen's rushing attack is an issue, and it will be a problem for the Chiefs if we play him in the postseason. And we just saw why the Bengals are going to be an issue. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. These are some major weapons that they have on offense. And Joe Burrow is not afraid to push the ball down the field. So, you know, if, if we catch them in postseason and they're feeling hot, they're feeling themselves, either one of those teams. I, I don't think that it bodes well. Not, not really that it doesn't really bode well for the Chiefs, but I, I just feel like it's, it will be a tough matchup. I, I think that whoever wins is going to win by – less than a score or, or less than seven points. Yeah, for sure. Um, my next team, this one might be a little surprising, but I'm going to go with the Titans. The Titans remind me a lot of what the Chiefs just dealt with, with the Bengals a little bit in the sense of AJ Brown is the type of player that can just take over a game and Ryan Tannehill, though he's limited, they have a good connection and AJ Brown can really just turn it on and just really dominate a game. Obviously Derek Henry is looming. I think it's a mistake to rush him back, by the way. I think that they're running the ball really well with Foreman. I think that they should just keep him and not try to rush Henry back from an injury. That is a really big deal for soft tissue foot injuries. That's part of what screwed up Sammy Watkins. So that, that one's concerning though, because you know, if Derek Henry does come back, and all Julio Jones has to be is just competent, which he's not really been. But, you know, they they play sound defense. Their defensive line is playing really good. Somehow that secondary is putting up good numbers. And, you know, the, the Titans are just a team that plays with so much swagger and has so much attitude. Mike Frabel is a great coach, really has them in a good place. I could see the Chiefs rolling into their – and them just having the attitude, the swagger that the Chiefs can never match, that they are just so geared up for this game, so locked in, revenge for the last couple of years, and that, you know, Derrick Henry has a big day, A.J. Brown has a couple of catches, then they forget to cover Julio Jones one time, and they lose 28-24 or something like that. And the defense just does enough to slow down the Chiefs' offense. So that's that's my next fear. So – I think you looked off my notes because that's the next team that I have as well. But, you know, you, you made a really big assumption there, and that's that Antonio, Antonio, Julio Jones will be healthy for this game. He has been so spotty this entire year. I mean, they're a really banged up team. Derrick Henry, you know, being one of them. I don't see why they're rushing him back. And really, that's the only thing that the Chiefs did well against the Titans was stop Derrick Henry. Okay, we, you know, you, you can stop Derrick Henry. You proved it. What happens if Derrick Henry isn't in this game? What happens if he re-aggravates that foot injury and can't come back? Well, okay, now you got to commit to stopping wide receivers on the outside. And they just proved to us that they can't do that or they will. They choose not to focus on it when, you know, the proof that a wide receiver is taking advantage of you is extremely self-evident. Like th there were multiple times in that Bengals game where we could have stopped Jumar Chase if we doubled him up, bracketed him, do, you know, do something to stop him. It was the same way in that Titans game. Like A.J. Brown was going off. And it's not because 
our corners aren't good enough to cover or, you know, they, they didn't use the right techniques or anything like that. That's just not what they're great at. It's Spags refusing to, to help on the outside. It will probably be an issue if we play them in the future. And they're a sneaky good team to go into the playoffs and try to beat, especially if it's in Tennessee, that that's a game that, you know, it doesn't give me the jitters, but it could definitely be a game that could go either way. So, sure. so for, I'm just going to tie in my last three teams, those Steelers, Colts, and, and Patriots. I'm going to th- – those to me are just teddy bear teams. I, I could see us beating any of those on any given Sunday, and this might get on old takes exposed with, you know, having the Patriots down that low, but Mac Jones doesn't scare me. That, that Patriots defense – as great as it has been playing, doesn't really scare me all that much. We just played the Steelers and we beat the brakes off of them. And I don't trust Carson Wentz. I, I just don't trust the quarterbacks in this, this, this last tier of teams to do come into Arrowhead and do anything. What, yeah. Is that out of the, I, out I, of the I agree. Um, out of line? No, I, I agree. Um, you know, the Patriots have proven that. And that's part of why I said what I said at the open, that it was ridiculous that people started putting the Patriots – just up there as one of the best teams in the AFC. Cause like, Oh, it, it kind of looks and smells like it did with Tom Brady. We'll just give them all that respect. Um, so I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, my fourth team is the Bengals for all the reasons that have been made obvious. I'm just a little less worried about them just because of the game that just happened. You know, if it was game one against the Bengals, it might be a little bit more scary, but I don't see them coming into Arrowhead and doing what they did to them um, in Cincinnati. And then my five and uh, my last couple are the Colts and the Patriots in that order. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor is a good back. The defense that they play in Indy, it can kind of limit what the Chiefs do. They play that zone um, and they're, they're a good physical defense, but I don't see Carson Wentz coming into Arrowhead and beating Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, the Patriots, just what you listed, you know, Mac Jones can only win in one sort of way. And though the Patriots are a team that, you know, you're going to have to fight them on defense, that they have a great defense and that Belichick always has great scheme. You also feel like they can only win one sort of way. And that's from ahead when they can run the ball. And I like the Chiefs chances of outscoring them. Yeah, that's not a team that you should. If you get into a gunfight, if you get into a shootout, with Patrick Mahomes and Mac Jones, I'm putting all my chips on Patrick Mahomes. And that's not just because he's one of the best talents in the NFL right now. It's because Mac Jones, he's good. He, he, you know what? He's a really, really good rookie quarterback. He's one of the best. But he's just proven in tight situations that not only does Bill Belichick not trust him in key spots, but also that who's who is he really going to throw to who who are their wide receiving options nelson yeah, aguilar I'm not, yeah i'm nelson not scared aguilar of doesn't nelson scare aguilar me. or jacoby myers coming into arrowhead and having a day you know that 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 one doesn't really scare me either yeah no, no none of those wide receiving options really really threaten us i it's just one of those games where if bill belichick bill belichick is the one who's going to beat you it won't be mac jones it won't be you know the a, outstanding play from a wide receiver no it's it's it'll be because bill belichick drew something up and got patrick mahomes off his game which i don't see happening especially after the past couple times that we've played them right for sure okay so last segment we're going to do today um for all intensive purposes 
the NFL season has pretty much come to an end. There's a lot of teams who won't even be playing starters. So many guys are hurt setting out this week. It's the extra week that was added this year. For all intents and purposes, the NFL season, regular season, is over, which means we can start coming to some long-range conclusions. So we are doing our three big takeaways from the NFL season. These are not Chiefs-specific. These are just general NFL takeaways that can be about a player, can be about a team, it can be about a coach, it can be about how the game was played for the season. Um, so we each have three. The first one that I'm going to go to, and this is one that I talked about all season and was really interested to see how it played out. Um, and I think I'm ready to kind of make a decision on it. And my decision is that Lamar Jackson is almost, dare I say it, a system quarterback. I think that we learned as much about Lamar Jackson when he was on the field this year as when he was off the field. Tyler Huntley stepped in, played really well in that offense for a couple of games. Now, he was he exactly Lamar Jackson? No, but he was 80, 85% of Lamar Jackson. This was, and, you know, I personally think that Jim Harbaugh should be coach of the year for the job he has done with that roster and how decimated it has been. But I do not think that the weapons were hurting for Lamar Jackson this year. Sammy Watkins had about as healthy of a year as Sammy Watkins can have. Mark Andrews had a fantastic season, probably the best season by a tight end this year, including Travis Kelsey. He had uh, the wide receiver that they got, Rashad Bateman. They've had plenty, and I understand that the running back situation was very fluid. Sure, he probably looks a little bit better with J.K. Dobbins, but there were weapons there this year. Hollywood Brown had another big year, and Lamar posted probably his worst season as a quarterback. The rushing will always be there. We always know that. But Lamar Jackson has not grown as a passer. And even before he got hurt, he was really, really struggling. I do not think that the Ravens can go and pay Lamar Jackson as the top paid quarterback in the NFL, which I think is what it will take. A guy who's won an MVP, who's, you know, pretty much went to the playoffs every year, except for this year where he got hurt and the team got decimated with injuries. I don't think that they should do that. I think that Lamar Jackson has proven what he is, that they should try to play out the spell with him and that they should basically try to see if they can find another Lamar Jackson, a guy who they can draft late in the round, run that style of offense, who's cheap, and they can sign other players and build the best team around. You know, isn't it kind of funny to watch the national narratives every single year? that Lamar Jackson has played, come out and say, you know what? He looked pretty good in those early games. He can throw outside the numbers. Oh, man, you know what? He ran for 150 yards this past game. He's got to be one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. And then as we get to the end of this season, you, you put it perfectly. It's we, we have seen this movie before. Lamar Jackson is not the best thrower of the football or even in the top echelon of, of players to do so in the National Football League. And I think that if you're an AFC fan, if you're a, if you're a fan of an AFC team, I think that there are two things you're hoping for this offseason. One of them is Lamar Jackson gets the top deal in the league and it cripples the Ravens bank account for the upcoming season. And that the same thing happens to the Browns with Baker Mayfield. That just to me, neither of those guys, especially more so Baker, but 
Lamar Jackson too. I, I don't think you can sign him for that much money. I don't think you can give him Mahomes money. I don't think you can give him Dak money. I don't. I think you could probably pay him about what Kirk Cousins is making now, and you could field a pretty good team around him and hope for hope that he can hold up over the next couple of years because we saw it this year as well. That ankle started to bother. Those legs started to bother. He started taking more hits. He had to run more. So I really like that take. That's that's a really good takeaway. My first one is going to be that Cliff Kingsbury is still Cliff Kingsbury. And I, I, I am a victim. I'm a prisoner of the moment. I jumped on that hype train of the Cardinals are the best team in the NFL very, very early. And my explanation was you only be who you play. You know, they, they beat everybody that they played. And then the numbers for the first seven games and the last seven games, or first seven games, last eight games, I think is what it is, uh, or maybe nine. But anyway, the, uh, the numbers are kind of staggering here, and, and I didn't look at them. That's, that's, that's called being not doing enough work when you're doing your research here. And so just the, the Cardinals, especially Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, in his entire tenure with any coaching team, Texas Tech, and the Cardinals. He's 42 and 20 in the first half of seasons and 16 and 43 in the rest of them. And that, that is a recipe for destruction. This team, I don't think has what it takes to win any playoff games. I think that they are a first round buy for any team that plays them. This might get on old takes exposed as well, but I don't see them doing any damage in the postseason. And, you know, sometimes when you bet, you lose. And I will not be betting on the Cardinals anymore this season. Yes. Yeah. I, they, they had a pretty gutty win against the Cowboys, but it definitely feels like there's something that goes on with that offense and the scheme that he gets people in the first part of the year. And then people catch up to him in the second part. And, you know, Kyler's gotten hurt both years too. And I think that's tied to it as well. DeAndre Hopkins has been good, but he's not been what they're paying him like. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting for sure. I still think that division gets three, three teams in it into the playoffs with 49ers, uh, Cardinals and Rams, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, my next big takeaway, and this is one that is a little bit chief centric, but also Bengals centric since we just watched that, you know, there was that cartoon that was really popular around the draft around, you know, Joe Burrow, when they draft Panay Sewell. And he has time to throw the ball to anyone because he has time from Penne Soul. Or the other iteration of the cartoon was anybody blocking for him and then player gets open quickly. So then Joe Burrow can throw the ball to him. Basically, Joe Burrow can't throw the ball if he's on his back. And this played out here in Kansas City a little bit, too, where we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. Everyone wanted to build the Great Wall of China offensive line. And, um, you know and say that that was going to be the thing that put them over the top. And we heard about that all, you know, all of our film guys who love to analyze the film just said, man, I, I just cannot imagine what it's going to be like watching Patrick Mahomes with this offensive line. It's just going to be unreal. And we look down and what do we have to show for it? Probably the worst offense that Mahomes had. Realistically, I know that sounds like vulgar to say, but this is the worst iteration of the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes offense that we've seen. They struggle to pass the ball more than they have in the past. They run the ball better. I, the one thing you can say is that they run the ball in short yardage situations better than they ever have before. But they chose to go the path of 
less weapons, more offensive line. The Bengals went in the other direction of let's get more weapons and not worry about the offensive line. Third and 27 is a perfect example. You have a guy who can win one-on-one on the outside. It doesn't matter if you only have two seconds to throw the ball because they're going to make a play and get open and get separation. And I mean, this is happening all across the league. Teams that consistently have that third and fourth weapon like the Rams, when they, you know, they were going to imagine what they were going to be with Robert Woods and OBJ, but OBJ is helping them still have that, you know, third, fourth option that can get open, stretch the defense. The Bills are that team with Cole Beasley, Diggs, Manuel Sanders, even Isaiah McKenzie's a pretty good receiver, Dalton Knox. You know, these teams that are Super Bowl offenses that can put up numbers against any defense, they go three or four deep. And again, I'll bring it back to the Chiefs. I saw a tweet going around today that was ESPN pass block win rates. And at the top were Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, Trey Smith, even Orlando Brown was up there for run block win rate. And it was basically just a look at this Chiefs offensive line. And, And we wear it as like a badge of honor of how great this offensive line is. And then we can all look at ourselves and agree that the offense is not as good as it's been. Like we did all this and what was it for? You know, it's like the Thanos meme where it says, what did it cost you? everything you know like what what did it what did we gain from it the offensive line is good it's better it's solid on the inside but we're never going to be the team that runs the ball so much that that like you know part of the Colts identity is Quentin Nelson and the fact that they just and Ryan Kelly that they just run the ball up the gut with that solid interior and that's who the Colts are you're not taking out the passing part of the Chiefs that's who they are they have Patrick Mahomes so stop trying to be this team that needs a stellar offensive line and imagine what this offense could be with, with two or three other good wide receivers besides Tyreek Hill. When your second best option is Byron Pringle, as far as wide receiver goes, you're limited. Oh, yeah. And, and not to mention, there's an argument to be made that this increase in, in productivity from the offensive line has kind of contributed to Patrick Mahomes not being able to, to ad-lib and do what he does best, which is get out of the pocket, shift the secondary with his eyes and make a play deep downfield. And he can still do that. He can still get outside, but who is he throwing to out there? Like Sammy Watkins, when he was on the field, made this chiefs offense unstoppable, completely unstoppable. And that has not been the case this year. In fact, it has seemed very, very stoppable at times. The second half of that Bengals game, you know, not excluded. So yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that takeaway as well. Just, what what could we have done with one or two more offensive weapons and Patrick Mahomes running around in the backfield? Like, just crazy stuff. But So my second one is that Baker Mayfield isn't the guy. And, and I know that's kind of like a not hot take. That's, that's kind of like, well, duh. But that, I think that's one of the answers that the NFL was looking for this year was can Baker Mayfield, with this assembly of talent, with OBJ, Jarvis Landry, the best running back duo in the league, a top five, maybe even top three offensive line, what could he do with all those weapons and a defense that just committed in the draft? And the answer is nothing. What can he do? Devise or separate the locker room into two halves for OBJ and against OBJ. And not only is he not doing, um, doing well with all that talent, he's pushing talent away. We all saw, I mean, I don't know about you, Price, but I saw that 14-minute video of OBJ being wide open and Baker not pushing the ball down the field or making a bad throw 
or and that that's not because he didn't have the run game to set him up. It's not like he didn't have other weapons he could have thrown to to take some of the pressure off of him. It was because he couldn't make the throws and he he wasn't making the reads. And I know the Browns were kind of waiting. They they wanted to wait out this season to give him that big contract and good on him. The Browns made a good management decision by waiting another season and not signing their quarterback to a massive deal. So Baker not being the man, my second key takeaway. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. Baker Mayfield is done. I this the tweet that he put out today, quote tweeting Mary Kay Cabot's article, who's a super highly respected article uh journalist for Cleveland, um, one of the newspapers out there, calling it clickbait. He's done. I mean, it's pathetic. It's over. Just say you had a bad season. Blame it on injuries or whatever. But my God, man, like for once in your life, have some accountability and step up and play better. Or I don't know. The the Baker, like I am so thankful that I'm not a Browns fan and that I have to sit there and hope that Baker Mayfield gets better. Yeah, that, that shouldn't be the only reason you're not, I mean, that you're thankful yeah. you're not a Browns fan. <laughs> I mean, but that, I mean, that has to be the most disappointing team in the NFL this year. They, I mean, by, they were, by far. Yeah, they were like, I remember I wrote a power rankings article and they were like my second or third team. Like they were right up there. And to fall that far with the coach of the year from last year is just astronomical. Um, my last one, and this one, this one's going to sound kind of stupid because you're going to say, well, duh, but I don't think this has always been true. I feel like this year, more than a lot of years in the NFL, we talked about how, you know, oh, you know, the Jags beat the Bills that one time. And, you know, this team lost to this team and this team lost to this team. I feel like the NFL is having extreme parity this year. And part of that is due to the balance that's happening across teams. We, I mean, if I ask you who the best offense in the NFL is right now, who are you going to say? Could you, does one team come to mind real clear? Oh, not really. No, you, yeah, you no. Could, you could yeah. make an argument for four or five different teams. Same, same with defense, right? There's, you know, there's four or five teams that are playing defensively pretty well, but there's no one clear cut. And I think, you know, I think that's a good thing. I think that the team that wins the Super Bowl this year, and we just went through the AFC playoff picture, talking about how, you know, we kind of have a reason to fear every team. Every team has some things that they do really well, that there's just a lot of balance. And we've talked about this, that the defense is kind of catching up to offense a little bit. The last couple of years have been offensive dominated league years. And, you know, I think that the playoffs this year is going to be as much as who's playing their best right now, who's healthy, who's hot. You know, we've seen years back, you know, whenever Joe Flacco went to Super Bowl, the Ravens weren't necessarily the best team. They were the hottest team. And I, I, I could see that um, as far as this year goes. So I think, I think the balance has been restored to the force a little bit, you know, that the NFL has kind of balanced out the offense defense thing. I think teams are getting better at drafting and playing players right away that are young and talented and athletic. And I think the coaches are kind of catching up to one another too. Now we might see that shift so far to the other side that maybe, you know, a high-scoring game is in the 20s. I hope not because that's not very enjoyable to watch, but maybe defenses are going to get ahead of the offenses. Or maybe, you know, next year there's a new thing that comes out that the offenses do and it just kind of goes back to every game's in the 30s. Well, yeah, and we're, you know, kind of along those same lines, we're kind of seeing a resurgence in the run game. Like Bill Belichick, 
leading a, a Patriots team to to one of the top seeds, you know, vying for the number one seed in their division. Like, it, well, there are there are a couple of teams that are are banging up the league with the run. And, and Aaron, that, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's having this MVP season again. And I'm telling you, a huge part of the reason why he's going to win an MVP is because of that run game. You you have him winning the MVP? I, I, I think that he will. I Though I do, honestly, if I had a vote, I'd probably lean Brady a little bit more just because mm-hmm. I think his counting stats are a little bit better. I think he plays on an offense that needs him more. And I think that the Packers have just kind of had an easy road as far as the playoffs go. Um, or as far as their schedule goes, whereas the Bucks have kind of played a little bit more. But it's really a hat, a hat toss for me, a, a coin toss, I should say. I don't, yeah. I don't feel super strongly either way. I think Rodgers' touchdown-interception ratio is a little bit better, but I also feel like Rodgers has benefited from a really, really strong run game that uh, Tom Brady has not, but it's, it's really close. Oh yeah, definitely close. And there, there are reasons to not vote for each player on both sides, whether it's the Vax or the zero point game that Brady just put up. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. Those are the only two guys I'm not putting. I'm putting in there. I'm not gonna do the, the Joe Burrow thing that some people are trying to do. Or Joe Burrow? Uh, no. Oh yeah. There's I, I heard, been. I've heard. Yeah. There's been a lot of people who think Joe Burrow. I mean, his numbers are pretty oh, good, wow. but I don't think you can put a guy who leads the league in interceptions in the MVP conversation. No, I, I don't think so either. But I also think that there's there's a little bit of hype around Cooper Cup. I can see him getting some votes. Yeah, I don't think he'll win it, but uh-huh. it'd be a cool story, you know. Yeah, anyway, it would be. I, I don't think we're ever going to see a non QB win it again. No, no, I I think those days are over unless Derrick Henry has a three thousand yard rushing season, which I don't think is going to happen. Probably not, but I'll never never count him out. Yeah, it's true, but. So I'll well, just go ahead and do my last. Yeah. I still have one more. Uh, I'll kind of keep it short and sweet here. Brady isn't going anywhere. And I, I hate talking about the guy. I don't think that, you know, he has been the most upstanding player in the past couple of years. I mean, there are multiple things I could cite here. But anyway, he has still been playing at an elite level. I think he still has two or three elite level years left under his belt. And then maybe a few where he's kind of under the radar. But everybody was kind of seeing well even late into last year there's some writing on the wall Tom Brady you know he's not throwing it deep down the field Tom Brady's not making the easy completions well he just lost Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown and Mike Evans is all banged up and then he lost Leonard Fournette he's still putting up MVP caliber numbers he's still playing extremely smart football he's he's not going away guys and I hate to say it as much as you hate to hear it and just believe me on that I Really wish I could tell you something different. Brady's here to stay. Yeah, you know, I I think the thing that's really scary about the Tom Brady thing is, is that he's, you know, whenever he left New England, I was afraid of him coming to Tampa Bay because I thought he could be Alex Smith game level manager that just had really great weapons that could make plays for him. And I thought that's the way he's trending. But the last two years, he's proven to be a great passer. Um. And he can still go out and throw the ball deep and make plays down the field and, you know, rocket the ball into tight windows. And he's still a great quarterback. You know, he is still a good thrower of the ball. And the thing that's scary is, is that, you know, he will lose his Tom versus time battle. But the thing is, is he's got a couple of Ben Roethlisberger years 
where if the roster is good enough around him, he can still, you know, lob the ball three yards per an attempt and probably, you know, be in the playoffs. The one thing that I'll say is I have a lot less confidence and, you know, Antonio Brown shedding some light on this. I have a lot less confidence in the Bucks keeping this together than I would the Patriots. You know, I don't think, I don't know that Tom gets another Super Bowl in New England if he would have stayed because of the way that roster was. Because I don't think Tom, I don't think Gronk comes back and plays with him. I don't think that they have this big free agent swirl spending that New England just did. But I don't have confidence in Bruce Arians and Tampa to keep this group together, partially because a big part of their core is old Jason Pierre Paul, Nadamika Sue. Um, Levante David's past 30. Um, you know, Mike Evans is perpetually injured. Now he plays injured a lot, but he's constantly got stuff nagging. Chris Godwin just towards ACL and is going to be a free agent this year. He was tagged this year. Um, they're not always going to have the best offensive line in football. So, and you know, Bruce Arians isn't Bill Belichick. I don't think that's breaking news, but yeah, Tom Brady's here. He's got another couple of years. <sighs> it's brutal. Yeah. No kidding. But Tom Brady is not playing the Chiefs this week. And that's, you know, the next time that they have to face Tom Brady this year it could be in the Super Bowl. And if that's the next time we're talking about facing Tom Brady, I guess I could do a Chiefs Bucks rematch. Yeah. No, especially now that, you know, I hate doing this, but the injuries have kind of piled up on their side. They lost most of their weapons. If they make it there, hey, you know oh what? Man, the, Chiefs, the Chiefs Tom had to Brady play with wins MVP, but. Yeah, the Chiefs had to play with the Carney High School offensive line um, in the Super Bowl after Brett Veach, you know, did something awful. So the Bucs can play without Chris Godwin and A.B. I'm okay with it. It's only fair. Oh, dude, and I, I cannot wait for the national narrative then. Well, Tom Brady didn't have enough help, you know? Yeah, and I mean, he's only, he's only got the best Patrick offensive Mahomes line. just in. beat Tom Brady. Best offensive line in football, a Hall of Fame tight end, two other good tight ends two pretty good running backs, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. And then, um, you know, two good wide receivers still. Well, I guess Mike Evans is really it now that AB is gone. But, yeah, poor old Tom Brady. Don't know how he yeah. does it. Sucks to see it, dude. You hate to see it. Yeah, you really do. But I think I yep. think it's time we call it a pod. Um, we appreciate you guys listening um, and coming back with us. We plan on going all the way through the offseason. Um, I don't know if we'll record weekly during the offseason. We'll try to get into the NBA a little bit. Obviously, there'll be no baseball to talk about because baseball hates baseball. But as always, this was Price at Price A. Carter on Twitter um, from Not Just Another Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. And as always, it's Christian Ainsworth at Breezy underscore edits. And we are brought to you by Arrowhead hey, there, I, You know what? I I kind of thought you were going to mess up the the handle since we've taken this long of a break, but I appreciate it, man. It was muscle memory. It's muscle memory this time. I just had it. Yep. There we go. Awesome, guys. Well, have a good break, guys. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Well, yeah, we'll be talking playoffs next week. <laughs> okay. All right.